Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon. Brandon, wow. <laughs> Pick ups. Hey, it's me, Todd Novak. Jared lost his mind real quick. Uh, we're super thrilled that you are listening to our show, the Guitar Knobs podcast. Uh, the, the love of our lives, the mistress uh, to our... I don't know. That's right. <laughs> you know, well, I better not say that. Yeah, I, that's going to get you in trouble, Todd. <laughs> I'm going to agree. Although anybody who has guitars knows that there is a little bit of truth to that, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, we are going to have a fun little show today. We we had some time out at a, at a guitar show. We're gearing up for another big one. And there was just some things that, that happened specifically around the arena of pickups. We wanted to share some of these things. And, and I think from a perspective of someone who's looking for them, uh, what are what are things are to be considered? And uh, and we, it's uh, and also from the perspective of someone who well, is trying to answer to those them. questions. Yeah, we happen to have a professional, a professional, an expertise. Really, in, in the room. Yeah. When is he coming in? Where is uh, he? Well, <laughs> <any> <laughs> oh wait, no, it's me. It's yeah, me. So hey, we got we got Big Jared in the room, and so yeah. we decided, hey, you know what? Let's ask him. Uh, so we'll get into that in a little bit. This is going to be really fun, I think, because pickups are one. You know, it is ultimately the 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 voice of well but and the cool thing about it is in most cases you can pretty easily switch out pickups and make in some in most cases you can make an improvement huge improvements or or if you want to go can from, make disastrous choices oh, too. yeah i've done one or two of those in my time and get into yeah. all of those things me too yeah but that was in your 20s so you're forgiven no nah, um, that was a long time ago anyways i can't even remember that far back. gentlemen we need to say a humongoid thank you to rode microphones for thanks rode yes for hooking us up and providing us with some mighty fine equipment beginning with our Procaster microphones. These things are amazing. And also the Rodecaster uh, professional audio interface that allows us to do our uh, our show, our recording. And with the new firmware, the the record button is green, and when you push it, it goes red. Yeah. Yes, that was a nice update because we were all sweating it every time we hit the button, and it kind of was red and then went just a little bit more red. So the guys at Rode are doing everything possible to continue to make this uh, just it's an outstanding machine. It yeah, truly it's, is. It's a great one. It's yeah. a huge upgrade. Yes, um, I, I my, our shrinking violet in the corner, our giant octopus of equipment that allowed us to do the show for three years. Everybody, three years. Uh, we just hit the three year mark. April Holy 16th, moly! A little bit. Of, I'll I, drink to I, that. I didn't make a big old you know shamlazzle about it. I don't know if that's a word, but I just made it up. I, I think like it was it. on Laverne. It was on Laverne journey, but I still don't know if that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, what about so, these microphones? And the articulating the arms. Yeah, he. That's, that's the, the first. first thing oh, I that's right. You did say pro. Thanks pro for listeners. Oh, Alrighty. Um, so, anyways, thank you. Huge, huge thanks to Road. And uh, aside from you know this podcast equipment, they make really fantastic live sound reinforcement. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, microphones. 
you need them if you're playing live check them out good i stuff. think it'd be cool if you they had them. these if articulating arms use those live yeah i don't know not i wouldn't want it but anyway an acoustic guitar they'd come in here. Oh, that's no true. i think it would be just cool it's like this big hunk of Actually, metal it'd be great if you were recording at home this would be yeah amazing yeah. uh these desk arms for recording at home yeah, that, that's true. That would be pretty... I hadn't thought of that, but that, that it really would Well, be. that's why I'm here. Oh, thank you. So, anyways, what do we do in our music world this week, gentlemen? Uh, Tony. Well, this week, um, you know, I, this was actually kind of an interesting project that I was involved with this week, and, and it, it kind of uh, outlines a lot of the custom work that I did do. Um, and uh, this involved uh, a Warmoth telecaster bass body so it's a bass guitar body shaped like a traditional telecaster single cutaway and warmoth does not make uh, a guard or a tele-shaped guard that will work with this particular body um but um i had a gentleman uh send me an email send me a photo and this one was kind of tricky too because it was also a bound body so anytime that you're working with a bound body any slight variations, you know, when you bring the, like on a horn, for instance, you bring the horn in and, you know, if it's off just even a 16th of an inch, you can really notice it. So this, this was particularly tricky and this was a guard that did not exist. And then the way the body was routed, you know, there was a, a standard P base pickup in it. So I had to do a little finagling and, um, and it worked out really well. I'm, I'm real happy with how it, how it eventually turned out. I sent a photo to the customer and he liked it too, uh, which is always a good thing, but, uh, it's, it's kind of cool. And so it's like a big body, you know, a big telecaster, but it's got a, uh, you know, a, a, you know, it's a base. So yeah so that was kind of a fun a fun little project i mean it's it it takes a lot of extra time um on my hand on my part but it's it it you know at the end of the day it's something different i'm not making you know 12 more strat guards or tele guards or whatever this is it's a real unique thing i'm sure jared you know when you do some of the crazy stuff that i have you do it's it's like a break from what you do day in day out yeah so that was, nice. my, that was that was that was a cool thing this week. Have you gotten any new materials in, by the way? Like new plastic, yeah. new, new plastic, um, like neato stuff. You know, I, it's been a while since I've actually done a, a, an in depth search. I mean, I've I've brought some stuff in from uh, from China that uh, there is some unique shell materials. There's like a, a blue and silver shell. There's a mm. brown shell. Uh, there's the, you know, a while back I brought in the tiger eye and the, and the zebra shell. Those, those were kind of cool are, materials. Are, that was cool I mean, they're, they're out there. They're kind of wacky, but, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, it, it sounds like Brian Nutter might want to get a hold of you. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, it's, it's just one of those, uh, you know, I'm of course at the mercy of, of the manufacturers, uh, and you know, it, it doesn't seem a lot of times that you know there there's much interest i i actually find some some cooler materials overseas mm. uh whether it's through like ebay or you know directly to those people while we're on just the top just you're sharing uh a little bit more about what you do and for those who aren't aware if you're just joining us for the very first time tony is the premier pick guard maker in the entire country in the world i'm gonna say that that's true um <laughs> And, and he, he well thank you yeah, that's awfully I mean, nice of you he doesn't just make little pick guards for one-offs he does he supplies to an awful lot of very big names in the industry that will remain nameless yes um 
So, uh, but that said, if you have something awesome that you want to do, yeah, but you know, it's a ticket. The big, the big jobs are fun. I, I, I enjoy doing sometimes like me, like you, like me, the custom stuff, uh, because you know, just like talking about this last project, it's, it's something different and, and it really does require, you know, you have to think things out, you have to measure things, you've got to fit things. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the question I have for you is, aside from just using the materials that you have at your disposal, disposal, which are far more than most people could even comprehend just as far as like patterns and colors and stuff. There's some amazing uh, plastics out there, but move away from that, from Mm -hmm. the Mm ready-made. What are some things and I'm, that you might have you considered or would like to do on a guitar that is maybe unconventional say for instance mm-hmm. taking um uh, like a, a a page like from a vintage comic book and basically adhering it to the back of clear plexi mm-hmm and using that as a pick card. Like, I'm just, I just, I just well, made yeah, that I mean, up. Yeah, I don't know I mean, if that's a thing or not. Well, but. there, there's tons of options. Um, I mean, I, I've done things, uh, pick cards made from, uh, you know, uh, LP records. Yeah. Uh, it's a little tricky because of the size and all, but, uh, and there's some limitations there, but, um, yeah, in terms of clear like material like gift store stuff, though, I mean, well, yeah, you know, it's kind of cool though. Oh, well, they got My the 30 grams now, they got the thicker LPs. Yeah. That you can yeah. Anyways, but it's all good. But yeah, it, with, and I do a lot of clear guards and sometimes I'll shoot the backside with paint, you know, lacquer or whatever. And then I have other, you know, customers that just want a clear guard to do kind of what you're talking about. They'll sandwich, you know, a, a, a photograph or a, a page from a magazine or whatever behind clear. But then there are some other options and I've, I've done some, you know, I think fabrics would look up where would work amazing on it. Wouldn't it? Well, the problem is um, one it, trying to get it to adhere um, to the clear without it, you know, cause if you put a piece of, of material behind a, a piece of clear, it can shift it. Yeah, the fabric especially kind of stretches kind of funny. Spill yeah. a beer on your guitar, it'll soak it up. So the well, one, I mean, unless you adhere it, unless you adhere it. Yeah. But um, a better option mm. uh, that I've done some exploration on is uh, there are uh, are printers, basically jet printers, that will shoot onto just about any surface. True. So they can print on the back side of clear. Yeah. And and then it could be uh, cut from that. Um, and there are other people, you know, the, there's another process that actually uses a material, a pickguard material that um, can be printed on, on the top side, and then it's mm. sealed with, with a clear material. But yeah, it's all, I mean, it, it, it gets, you have to be really careful because there are, are some people that want you to try to uh, do, whether it's a copyrighted or trademark thing, and you have to be really careful with a lot of that types of things. But if it's, you know, just their own photograph or something like that. Or just um, get away with it. Well, I, <laughs> I try not to get away. I try, I try to be relatively legitimate. Well, yes. I, I <laughs> and avoid <that>. lawsuits. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's, but, the, but there are some options out there. And, um, I mean, it's not for everybody, you know, probably three-fourths, if not more, customers want something more traditional 
you know, something that is either a replacement or they're changing out pickups or whatever that looks pretty much close to the, the original guard they had. But then there's there's another group and, and they, they like the, the flashier materials. They mm -hmm. want to do something with a graphic on it. Um, you know, I also do a lot of the, uh, like a signature guard where we take their signature and put it, cut it out of vinyl and put it on the backside of clear right. and then shoot over the back of that. Kind of reminiscent of like old 50s yeah style country and stuff yeah well but well that's punkabilly rockabilly yeah there, i mean there's a lot of people that, that you know business. that like to you know think uh, feel that they're good enough to have their own signature sure. model i get me. it <laughs> um something that I, else that i would like to get off of your mic there is a giant hair on your on your windscreen <laughs> it's driving me nuts it's well it looks big from here i just have eagle eyes <laughs> Thank you. All right. Is that a nose hair? <laughs> Are you, a no, no, it was not a nose hair. No, no. That was a... <laughs> Thankfully. I mean, <laughs> if it is, good for you for getting that out. Uh, That's better now. Jared, what's going on? Yeah, so a couple of things this past week, real quick. The first thing, um, uh, Zachary Oswald, my little helper friend, brought a... Uh, <laughs> little Zach. Does he appreciate that? <laughs> He doesn't well, care. Well, anybody's man. little compared to you. Zach could care less what I call him. All right. So he he brings me this like 1958 uh, Telecaster that um, is going to be refinished. So we took it up to Akron and had the guitar refinished and brought it back. What was it? What was it painted? Uh, it actually, a seafoam green. And no, no. What was it original? What was before it was it, stripped? Oh my gosh! It was like a brown. Did you see it? It was a brown sparkle. Somebody brown sparkled it like back in the 60s or 70s. Wow. It was a it, it maroon sparkle maybe, and it kind of turned brown. And, but this, it, and this is a 58 Telecaster. 58 original, 58 Telecaster. Everything on the guitar I, was original. I, like root, I think root beer is kind of a cool color. That's what it was. But well, you know, Bill Crook just did a, a run uh, of, of some of his guitars and one of them, he did it like a copper metallic and then he did a root beer metallic. Yeah, yeah. And it actually, it actually looks yeah, pretty cool. I, it look, I mean, it's not my jam, because, but you know. Well, the owner of the guitar bought the guitar for like really cheap for being what it was. It's an original 58 and all the parts on it are original. Uh, the bridge pickup needed to rewound, so I did that for him. Um, but when we got the guitar back and it, it was uh, finished, it just it transformed. It, it's it looks legitimate now. It looks awesome, and even more so when I plugged this thing in and played it, I couldn't believe it was a Telecaster. It's not used to what I'm, you know, usually playing because you know I don't have a '58. You know, I don't I don't have a, a vintage Telecaster. However, this thing is just rung forever. It's mm. I can't stress how. Vintage instruments do feel and sound different than modern instruments. Well, I think a lot of it had to do with the new pickguard that I made for it, too. I think everything had to do with it. Well, speaking of which, that, what was really cool about it, so uh, Jared brought over the original pickguard, which had a chunk missing and part of the horn was cut off or something. It was mm -hmm. weird. But it was an original guard, in my opinion. Uh, so it was single-ply material, yeah. but it had eight screw holes. So right. it, it was kind of a transition guard was. between the five-hole guards that were originally used in the 50s and the eight-hole guards, multiply material that were used in the early 60s. Mm. So it was kind of cool to see, you know, that there that such a thing actually did exist. Uh, speaking of guards real quick, I'm just going to I'm just going to throw something out there. See if this works, see if this actually comes to fruition. I think 
that we'll see a, a, tr- a trend up in um, not over oversized pick guards, but more area covering the guitar made out of pick guard material. That's all. I'm just putting that out there. Think, think, what, what uh, would think, make the, you think say that? like Gibson recording, think uh, Sonics, think I just, I just, I'm, I'm premonitioning. Is that a word? <laughs> So anyway, my second thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, The second thing I was going to mention, my I have a 1962 uh, SG Les Paul. I love this. It's like my favorite guitar. And for a long time, I I didn't realize this, but the um, the tremolo that's on it is kind of high for the bridge that's that's there. And so I took it to. uh, Is that one? Is it like a maestro? Tremolo it or? is. Okay. It's a, it's a. It's one of the first uh, versions of the of the uh, vibrola. It's a short vibrola. And it's got the ebony tailpiece um, on it, which is pretty rare, and pretty cool, and, and pretty sought after too for SGs. Uh, so I, I'm not a set. I'm not a talented setup guy like uh, our friend Sean over at the guitar repair company here in Columbus. That dude can look at a guitar and within minutes can tell you, you know. This is what's wrong. And he just, uh, he's amazing. He's really good at what he does. So I, I took the guitar to him, and within minutes, he says, well, the uh, the roll is too high, and, uh, you know, it's you don't have a good angle. That's why your string is escaping the saddle. Mm. You know, the, the saddle's, you know, the bridge needs to be higher for it to, uh, you know, operate correctly. So... I got him some new. Uh, I bought some new vinyl um, uh, saddles, and it's the old kind of vinyl. It's it's the milky white instead of like the new clear. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like the old style. So so the ni- nylon. Saddles. Yeah, he said he said he's going to raise the nut. He's going to raise the action a little bit. Get a slightly bigger size string. Change the saddles um, and all those little tiny things. There's actually some felt underneath the. Uh, spring of the vibrola that he said this that can come off and it'll, it'll just make a difference it'll ma- actually make a, a big difference you know keeping that string in this so every little tiny thing that he's doing is gonna uh, improve the setup substantially I think you should just route it for a Floyd Rose I could I could and then I would just <laughs> throw it in the fireplace the next day you know mm. and that's pretty much what's uh, happened in my world there so I'm I can't wait to get that guitar back Cool. Nice. How about you, Todd? What's going on? Well, I set up my secondary pedal board, uh, which is thing that I use when people uh, are sending us pedals that are going to be on the show. And we've got somebody that's going to be coming up. Uh, Occult Effects. Yes. Ah, okay. uh, local local fella. And uh, he, he came into my work and brought in this big box of pedals. And so I was able to actually string them all up and... And I uh, get to tweak around with them, and um, it was a ton of fun. It's yeah, it's cool. I've, pedal, I've had a man. chance to work through most of those, and yeah, I still I love the. He makes a a, a Sun Model T preamp. Yeah, that is in a clock radio housing. Yeah, which that I, is cool. I thought it was you know it's 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 kind of primitive, it, it's, but it yes. looks you know it looks cool. It, don't try to put it on your uh, pedal train metro, but uh, well, <laughs> unless that's the only one that you're. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna but, need, a, um, need a little bit of Velcro for that. Yeah, yeah. so it's just cool, like ch- checking out, like uh, playing different guitars through it. Um, I was, you know, 
switching back and forth between my Supro uh, Blackmagic and the um, the David Harris uh, hand wired amp that I have, and yeah, it was just it's fun time, just like fiddling around. I, I I spend most of my guitar time actually working on uh, either songs or for for well songs for our, for the band, trying to improve them or trying to write new ones. But so this was just play time. That's it cool. Was, it was good. Yeah, that's fun. I mean, I do when I, you know, test out things here for the show at the shop, it's, it is kind of a, it's a break from chopping up plastic and trying yeah. some different things out and seeing how, how they react to my setup. Amen. Indeed. All right, everybody, we're going to get on with this little show. It's a, it's a, a bullion base. It's a, Jared, 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 it's WWJD. What would Jared do? What would Jared do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I get to talk. So set up here. We went to uh, Guitar Fest in Akron. Awesome show. It's a great show. A lot of people. Big turnout. Uh, great building. All the good things. I actually helped kind of man Jared's booth. He had a couple winders there, which is really cool. Yeah. People dug it. They weren't actually winding the pickups, but it was it was a nice way to let people see. Like, I think oh. you should. I think you should wind them there. Well, that actually had the bobbins turning. Yeah, yeah. so that they were on and turning, but it's a little more know. complicated to actually make them there. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it, well, a, a spool of wire, especially a heavier spool, is very uh, at the same time is fragile because if you uh, bump into that spool of wire, anything just snap. Could, yeah, unstable tables, yeah. like the whole deal. Anyways, yep. So we did that show. We are helping Jared gear up for Nam. Now that we just got through talking about Nam, we're going to start with. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I don't know how to like. It just it's a it's thing. Okay. It's, it's a okay. thing in our it's a universe. Permanent thing. Those who don't know about Nam should they everybody. Well, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, my bad. Should familiarize themselves with it, and if you can get there, go there and just experience it at least one time in your life. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's true. It's it it is a gathering of you know musicians and producers and, and makers, makers, and yeah. I mean, everybody gets together, and and yes. this time it's going to be in the the summer show will be in Nashville as it yeah. has been for the last couple of years. Fun. So uh, it's a little smaller show, but um, but it it will be. I think it's going to be. It'd be great. I'm going to be sad I'm not there. But in preparation for that, we started thinking about like, well, what what can what could Jared do that would be helpful to uh, the the regular person who is not a pickup builder? What are the things that they are considering? What are things that they should consider um, when con- when considering new pickups? That's right. So you the big question you get is, so you make pickups, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I get that a lot. Well, yeah. and, and I think, you know, the, the answer to that is, well, yeah, I wind them myself. Oh yeah. And, you know, these are not being brought in from China or Korea or something like that and being right. relabeled. These are actually being hand wound right here. You know, hence I brought the machines in to show everybody. Exactly. In Pataskala, Ohio. Beautiful. So we, Tony and I came up with a bunch of questions for Jared. I can't wait to answer. And these are from the perspective of, again, uh, someone who doesn't have intimate knowledge of, pick, of you know, super duper pickup uh, knowledge. <laughs> wow! Yes, that's that's that's, that's quite the I've intro. Got the words. <laughs> Let me you tell have you. many many words. You've got the just, words that don't. Just going to make bills. me look better. Yeah. All right. 
uh, Tony, how about we just uh, do a little question tennis, so to speak? Bing bong. Can, may I? I'll just go ahead and. Yeah, you want you to start. No, I'll start. At the booth, we ran into quite a few people who were like, I'm thinking about putting your pickup in my enter, enter sort of like second tier brand, all right? Or maybe third. Epiphone Les Paul. Mm. Okay. Uh, many, many Epiphone questions. They said, I want to, I'm, I'm thinking about putting new pickups in, which ones should I get? Now, the biggest problem with those that we encountered is all the electronics. Yeah, not just the pickups. Not just the pickups. So the question coming to some of hey, I'm thinking about putting some, some awesome pickups in my, um, maybe let's just say budget guitar. Okay. Right. My, my budget guitar. Um, how important are the electronics beyond the pickups extremely basically when you get a really good pickup you want the pickup to go through quality electronics and if you're going to replace your uh, pickups in your average guitar you want to make sure that your pots values are going to work with those and, perfectly and just, what, what yeah. explain pots real well quick. pot the the potentiometers uh they control the tone they control the the volume as well and if what your knobs are connected to. That's exactly right. If you have, you know, underpowered capacitors, that's going to, you're not going to have enough brightness. And anyway, I think it's, it's the, the, the values need to at least fall into what we call standard parameters. Yeah. Like a, yeah. you know, a 500K pot on a humbucker versus yeah. a 250K pot on a, uh, on a single coil pickup. Yeah. Gibson, Gibson did this in the 70s. They had 300K uh, pot wiring harnesses for their, uh, you know, T-top humbuckers, which are basically just an average traditional humbucker. And they kind of sounded muddled. And, you know, when you switch that out and you have a, a nice, I like to say breathable room potentiometer to, to handle that pickup, it's an equalizing kind of thing. Well, yeah, I because mean? even wide open... Um, a potentiometer pot has some effect on the overall tone because of the, you know, uh, obviously the lower the number, the more high end it cuts. That's why right. you use a 250 on a single coil versus a 500. And when Gibson did the 300s, it was just really a step up from what typically Fender uses. So you're chopping off a ton of high end. Yeah. So, you know, when, when someone walks up to me and says, hey, man, I got this, you know, average guitar, you know, insert your own brand i always ask i said are you gonna also are you looking to replace the pots because i would i would do that too and to my advantage to that as well is you know i wouldn't want to sell somebody a, a good set of pickups that are putting it in you know a guitar with a a less quality wiring harness because yeah you know the user's not going to realize hey man what's wrong with these pickups i thought they were going to sound like this well yeah, you have to change your wiring harness because it'll come back on me. Well, I think, and in, in, you know, yeah, the, the pots and the caps are very important. But if you're going to use it as a live guitar, my number one changeover is always the jack. Because a lot of times the less expensive guitars use a very cheap jack that likes to, it's it's not well made. Like a, I, I like the Switchcraft jacks. Yeah. And if, you know, the, the little tiny spring ones that a lot are, that show up in a lot of Epiphones and things, they just don't last. And, you know, you the, the signal shorts out. Every time you touch the jack, it'll move around a little bit. <laughs> yep. Switch as well. You know, yeah, and the switch. Yeah. If it's not Switchcraft, then get Switchcraft. 
Yeah. I, I, I will not use anything unless it's switchcraft or better and find me something better. So I don't know. Another part of that question, and this is this actually came up many times at the show, was I've got a semi hollow body, and this is where the Sheraton thing came in because um, you know when I had Jared put his pickups in my Sheraton, he said, "Hey, buddy, I I can do this for you, but you have quick connects, a quick connects, a quick connects uh, wiring, and which just makes it a lot easier to wire a semi hollow body guitar." And what that is, is that you've got... Well, Jared, explain that, will you? A semi-hollow, you don't have pickguard access like you do on electric guitars. So for production-wise, they use quick connects. It's basically a plastic terminal. It's a male and female, sort of like just any kind of plug, and they plug together. The wires don't go directly from the pickup to the pot. Yeah, you know that. I guess there's a, kind of a chance of failure there eventually. But I, I think a, 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 a word of warning is if you are not experienced in wiring and moving pots and wiring inside of a semi-hollow or no. full hollow, don't do it. I mean, yeah. it's 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 it can be a nightmare. And then once you yank everything out, uh, taking it to someone to have them do it, it's going to be a minimum two, maybe three hours worth of work just to get everything back in place. So uh, if there's also a number of different providers for pre-wired harnesses oh yeah, 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 yeah. that if you if you want to get you know, a great pair of pickups and you don't want to actually rewire everything, but just want to get a harness that has great pots, that has great switches, that has great wiring on it. There are several people out there sure. that, that provide that. And we've had we've had a couple on the show. Yeah. There are a couple more out there. So uh, take some time, explore, check out the reviews, ask around, see what works. So the lesson we learned from this question was if you're going to change out pickups, you probably want to take a look at the rest of the wiring too, just to make sure that you know, everything matches up right and is as high a quality as possible. Absolutely. Good. It, you'll just ruin the whole new pickup experience if you don't, and you have a really bad wiring harness. Cool. Now, when people come and they say, uh, cool, I, I'm interested in this uh, set of humbuckers, what's the output? If someone is wanting a high output pickup versus a low output pickup, that's another question we got a lot of. Talk about that a little bit. So your high output pickup usually has a, a strong magnet, like your you know Demarzio Super Distortion, around twelve to thirteen k with a ceramic magnet, Ceramics, which is yeah. very very strong. That gives you that the very mid uh, you know the strong mids and the you know, the thick, juicy sound um, that transforms your your guitar, basically. And then you have the low output pickup, like, you know, the best example would be like a Stratocaster pickup. It's a single coil, uh, so you have less magnet strength. Yeah, less distortion, less more, dis- more yeah. clean tone. And that's for like jazz players and, and uh, country and all that kind of thing. People generally, when they come to me, they said, I just want a hot humbucker pickup. That's another term that will, people will say is a high output is also hot. Right. Right. So hot, high output. Customers usually want PAF, which stands for patent applied for. It's basically a traditional humbucker that uh, you know Gibson came out with in the 50s and 60s. It's fair to say that's considered the, the standard it is. of humbucker it is. pickup. It is. Yes. That's your traditional. Okay. Yeah. Is that a low output or is that a high output or is it in the middle? 
Probably would, by today's standards, it's low. It's on the lower side. Yeah, that's pretty much as low as you can get okay. with humbuckers. Now, in the 70s, uh, they came out with the RD series. Those were even lower output, like 5K, and they they were very low output because they had a Moog, Moog circuitry inside the guitar. Oh, yeah. And all that kind of powered those pickups. So uh, it was really kind of like the first active pickup. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Just no batteries. Yeah. So that, I mean, what I just talked about there is, is kind of rare. You don't really see that much anymore, yeah. but I just. But yeah, know. standard pickup. So basically, I think, I, I know when, when people talk to you, I've seen you interact with them. And you, you usually say, well, what kind of music do you play? Exactly. You want to ask the person, what kind of music do you play? And um, what do you, what, what guitar do you have? Um and I ask them what what kind of guitar they have, of course, for the so I can you know refer them to to getting better pots if if necessary. Right. And so I I kind of go off of what they tell me, and if they can't really explain it very well, then I you know I said, well, send me some YouTube links of the sounds that you really like, and uh, I can I can pretty much get them in the area that they need to. Yeah to reproduce that sound and that's and that i think you know and it's not the answer is not always going to a hotter pickup right um in a lot of cases it's maybe changing the type of of magnet that's on on the thing if they're they're trying to do more of a classic rock sound yeah you know you're gonna put probably if they have ceramic magnets in a in a guitar right now which a lot of less expensive guitars do um, you might push them towards a five El, El Noco fives or threes or even twos. Well, that's a really good segue. That's the next question is, uh, Al Nico question mark. And why question mark? <laughs> the reason I'm bringing that up isn't necessarily that that is the only kind of magnet or anything, but that's, that is that other, that common term that gets thrown around a lot. Right. And, I think people, a lot of people are asking, but not really understanding why they're asking. So five in all other measurement systems and everything else that we deal with ratings and everything else is better than two. So when someone says, uh, oh, I need an Alnico five, but then you begin to say, well, some of these are twos or some of them are fours, or maybe you have a five or what do people need to be concerned with as far as the difference between those? The numbers actually just represent the mixture, the metal mixture. So, so it's, it's, it's not, not a rating. Strength. Yeah. Right. So sonically, what is the difference, say, between a A5 and an A2? Uh, the fives are generally brighter and the twos are, are not so bright. Okay, cool. Yep. That's a good That's a good explanation. Now, um, does that mean that a f- three or a four is, is on that same scale, sliding scale, if a two is not bright and a five is very bright? That's correct. They're they're kind of in between. Okay. You know, all right. there's not a lot of difference between them all. Okay. So if, I, uh, if I'm playing a lot of music with like a lot of distortion and effects, is one of those better for me than the other? I mean, if you're doing high output things, I think you'd probably want to go to go the ceramic, ceramic route. Yeah. Okay. So let's jump there. Ceramic. What's the deal with ceramic? Like, is that something that is actually something to be concerned about? It's a very high strength magnet. It's really going to push what you have. It's yeah. also a, a less expensive magnet because it it's not a, a metallic composite. Yeah, it is less expensive, and and generally the the public out there that know a little bit about pickups, when they think of ceramic, they just think of cheap uh, because of the price of ceramic. However, 
if you build a pickup with ceramic magnets and you build it well, you know, I wouldn't think of it as a cheap pickup. I would, you know, I would look at it as a, at the utility standpoint where it could be very useful. I, well, I think that's a good point. And that's where a lot of things like, you know, the, the, the things that we have for measurement, like why would I want a high output versus a low output? High is always better, is it not? Why would I want a, uh, an Alnico 2 instead of an Alnico 5? High is you know, always better, right? So there's there's these sort of myths and misunderstandings about that. Like, there's definitely myth, misunder. Myth, they're <laughs> misunderstandings. They're misunderstandings. So like the idea of saying, um, hey, a, a ceramic isn't as good as an Alnico 5 just simply because more people say the word Alnico as a opposed to ceramic is not a wise thing to like basically use that as a measurement. Right. Right. There's a lot of perception, misperception actually. And that's what I'm trying to clarify. And I I think, you know, if you are lucky enough to, to work with a, uh, you know, one-on-one with a a pickup winder like Jared or or others, they can ask you, you know, what, what, you know, if you're playing, you know, super high output heavy metal kind of stuff you, you probably don't necessarily want to go with an alnico magnet you want yeah i mean in a lot of cases those guys are playing you know active like emg pickups yeah yeah um but you know if you're looking for a bluesy tone or you want a classic rock tone and things like that you're trying to replicate i guess what some of your you know uh guitar heroes played yeah. And chances are, if they played in the late '60s and or even early '60s into the '70s, they're going to probably be playing classic uh, Gibson style pickups, which would have had an Alnico in them. No, oh, when, yeah. when did when did ceramics really come about? I think that's part of the the lore or the myth is that all the vintage stuff seems to have is all Alnico. Yeah, but then so newer doesn't necessarily equal better in the world of guitars always so there's a little perception there too yeah late 60s early 70s is when you really saw it being prominently used in speakers as well right gibson used it primarily in their uh you know many humbuckers in the early 70s just just kind of give them a mid boost because if you have a mini humbucker that's you know reads down in the sevens and the sixes with all nico magnets output output that's right seven six k output it's they're they don't really sound like a a nice thick meaty humbucker or a nice meaty p90 because the the magnetic flux is much smaller it's tighter it's 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 more like a single coil but you know annoys a single coil so using the ceramic magnet in the 70s it kind of gave it a nice mid boost and it just they sounded better and, and that was the sound of the 70s i mean the, it like was. that that that, right. that mid you know, sound. Was, yeah, was mix huge. that with the Marshall, yeah. and that's yeah. Demarzio and Mighty Might started um, making these high output ceramic magnets, and people were taking out their you know traditional humbuckers and slapping those in. Demarzio and Mighty Might, those guys were the innovators and really uh, put a good name on ceramic magnets on that on that perception. Huh. Interesting. So, yeah. Well, what about, you know... Tony, next question. What about... What about... Ask Jared a question. Should I ask him now? (laughs) Is that the part of the show where I ask him a question? I love questions. (laughs) So, uh, and this is going to really relate primarily to humbuckers and maybe a Tully neck pickup. What uh, How important or how not important is having a cover on a humbucker or a Tully neck pickup? 
A lot of people ask me, does it really change the tone when I put a nickel cover on? It can a little bit, but you're going to see more of a difference on a computer program where you've tested the pickup on screen more than you will with your ears. So I think you'll hear with your eyes more than you will with your actual ears uh, when you when you do the cover thing. Uh, well, does it alter the tone? I think it does just a teeny bit, but uh, again, I don't uh, think how it's does very it alter noticeable. The tone? It well, you know, you take like just, a player like Jimmy Page, like right. he, he was, he took the the cover off of his bridge pickup, right, to make it brighter, and yeah. and I think a, a cover. <sighs> Is it just I, I guess a barrier it, in the way of the magnetic Well, it, 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 it actually is a, a shield, right? Somewhat, yeah. It's, it's a non, metallic it's, shield. It's non-ferrous, so it's not magnetic, or else it would cancel out your pickup. You wouldn't it, you wouldn't hear anything. It would just be garbage. It's non-ferrous, so it's, you know, theoretically, it's not supposed to really affect the magnetism. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get a whole... But it, there's something there, though, right? So I... Yes, it is hindering, and you take that off, and yeah, I think it will sound a, just maybe a, a touch brighter. Uh, the main reason I like think, having a conversation through a blanket or not through a blanket, exactly. Yes, um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just to think of something. maybe a bed sheet. A bed sheet. That's weird. I'm going to throw in another word that I think is a really important with this question is potting as well. Ah, because if you have. If you have a pickup that's, that's a not potted, point. why don't why don't you why don't you what is potting? explain potting? Potting is when you have hot wax in a a container and you dip the pickup in the hot wax and the in the wax uh, is nice and hot, heats the pickup up and allows the wax to uh, penetrate the pickup in the windings and everything there. So it keeps everything nice and tidy and tight. And there's no wires or no movement at all that's going to create uh, feedback. Microphonics. Microphonic feedback. And I would assume that also protects it from elements as well. Yeah, like sweat and beer and a little bit vomit or whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> or just, you know, air, humidity air, and all humidity, that stuff. Oh, absolutely. Humidity, that's especially. a big thing too. So, if you have a pickup, a humbucker, and you don't have it covered, you're going to get less microphonic feedback. Uh, but if it's potted, you're going to get hardly any at all. But if you have an unpotted humbucker with a cover on it, you will get more feedback. Potted. And it can be a problem on yeah. stage. Interesting. That's right. Yeah. So covers and potting go hand in hand. Now, I also get the question, does potting change the tone of my pickup? It can, uh, and that's kind of a rabbit hole question. There, there's a lot of people that say yes, and a lot of people say no. But I will, I will tell you this much: when you lose some of the the microphonic feedback, um, I think that can change change it dynamically. And what I mean by that is, you know, it, it, when you play the guitar and every little movement you make on that string near that pickup you're going to be able to hear it a lot better if it's not potted because you're getting all that, you know what I'm saying? It's the nuances. It's the nuances, and it's really hard to put in words, so I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not so coming through I, on that. I think but. that's a really, really great point because it, it's almost like uh, having it unpotted offers up a little bit more um, personality. It's like the, the, the friend that you go to the bar with that might get a little crazy, but might not. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if your friend gets too drunk and starts getting microphonic, you don't like your friend no, anymore. No. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> likes that noise. Then you, yeah. Then you walk away and let the rest of the bar beat him up. Um, <laughs> never do that. Never leave a friend. No, alone at a bar. that's um, a bad wingman. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is I like for me, for my personal style, I would want like that little, that, you know, being able, if, if I, if I get close to the amp or if I, if I'm holding a specific note and trying to get a little bit of, crazy sustain out of it that it's it's gonna do something a little special that if it's too controlled will never happen right exactly and controlling it is key especially if you have an unpotted covered pickup and your volume just turning it from nine to eight makes all the difference in the world as far as you know microphonic feedback it's crazy how how do you explain that a little bit so your volume pot controls the volume of your pickup and if you turn it down a little bit, you're basically taking power away from from the pickup, and it's right. not going to, you know, be harmonic harmonically loud and so it'll squeaky, give you a little squealy. bit even more control, a lot more control. All right. So gotcha. I mean, just and that's kind of in a way, it's kind of like the volume is kind of your tone in the same way because you're kind of controlling how much. Microphonic feedback goes well, and that goes through. I, so. Let's just for an illustration. A lot of times when you see like really um, well-known guitar players, really prof, um, uh, prolific players, and you see them playing, and they're constantly fiddling. You know, you see the pinky go to the go to the volume like mm-hmm. all the time, and you're like, you're just playing. Why? It's it's a stadium. How are you making it like a tenth louder? But that's probably not what they're doing. They're con- they're they're controlling maybe some of the microphonics that that may or may not be happening or just dialing back the tone to get more control if they're not hearing that. Is it fair to say? Yeah, I think and, and a lot of players you know, have their amps wide open, uh, you know, and maxed out so that you're actually controlling the dynamics and the sound of your guitar and the amps right. with your volume control on your guitar. Yeah. yeah, that's a it's very difficult if you're not used to doing that. Now, are P90s potted? They they were not uh, traditionally when they first came out, but yes, they are now standard. It, that's a standard thing. Yeah, I think pretty much almost every modern reproduction or whatever is, is, potted, is potted because uh, the whole the microphonics you know it, it's it's deemed as a, a defect in the pickup even the original uh gibson pafs were not potted is that that's correct right? nothing was back then yeah fender, so, fender potted their stuff all the time and well they even, that's right yeah but gibson did not until um i believe the mid 80s yeah and give or fender even they they moved away from wax for a while to lacquer didn't yeah, they, they used the late they 60s. used uh, exactly. They used bad lacquer that they couldn't use on in, instruments anymore, and they found a use for it by uh, dipping all the the pickups in it before potting. Or I'm sorry, not potting before winding and after winding. Huh. Keep everything nice and tidy and tight. That's weird. Uh, so <laughs> if someone said, "Hey, I don't want a potted pickup, Jared, because I play I play like really sort of." Um, wild, spontaneous sure. style playing for like garage rock or something. Or if they want an authentic sounding like a PAF. Or if they want to, uh, do you recommend that? Asking like, will you make unpotted pickups? I generally make unpotted pickups more than I do potted because my whole you know business is based on 
you know, original traditional style pickups. Right. And usually if somebody's asking me to make it unpotted, they already know what it takes to, you know, control their guitar and they already know what they're they're doing anyways. Interesting. So I won't I won't, you know, I won't test their knowledge on it. I'll just I'll pretty much assume that they know what they're getting into. Of course, I still will ask them what they do and what they play and whatnot. I mean, knowledge is power uh, when it comes to building somebody a set of pickups. How about if, you know, somebody says, well, Tony, I just, ask him a question. Um, <laughs> That's the last time I'll do it. Is, it. is this the point where I ask Jared a question? <laughs> So let's, uh, you know, somebody says, well, you know, I, I'm happy with my neck pickup, but I want something different in my bridge pickup. What, or what, you're like me and just can't leave anything alone. Or if you're like Todd and can't leave anything alone and you're going to mix this a, surely a, be telecat- if I completely a telecaster toss pickup yeah. with a uh, mini humbucker or something yeah. like that. So what are, what are the, 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 the good and the bad and the uglies of, of mixing pickups? Well, it, de- it mostly depends what kind of guitar you have. Um, I think, oh, that's a tough question. Well, let's get specific. Instead of all three of those, yeah, what tough. are some what are some combinations that that you just it, it, you would recommend not to pursue, not to spend good money on? Because here's the other thing: again, sound can be completely subjective, and we can talk about all the subjectivity in sound. But when you're pulling out your hard earned hundred plus dollars for a new pickup. Well, well over that in most cases that's maybe not the best time to just like for total experimentation and the other problem that's a that's a barrier for people to get past is it's not like a pedal that i can plug in oops i don't like it i'm going to return it this is surgery on a guitar yeah it's more of a permanent change yeah. than, than a pedal would be this is a great question and, and this is a perfect time to bring up uh the telecaster custom those came original with a low, I don't want to say low output, but with a, a traditional output Telecaster bridge pickup is around, uh, you know, 6K and all Nico. Uh, it's, you know, it's a, tradition, a traditional pickup. In the neck position, it came with a, a high power, hot, uh, wide range pickup. It. It's allowed. It was the loudest pickup you can get in 1972. I think. I Why do we think that that was made? I have a suspect. I suspect, but Seth Lover invented that thing. But why it was made that way? I would love to hear your your question because I, I have no idea why somebody made that. Other than maybe Keith of the Rolling Stones. <laughs> I mean, that, he's the one who like that was really put it on the map. He yeah. did, he did eh, play several Tele Customs, seventies right. Tele Customs. To get back to the question, you know, that's that's something I don't. I can make that traditional setup, and and I do have that as a product on my website. However, when somebody asks me about it, I say, "Listen, let me lower the output on that wide range." Yeah. And let me make that bridge pick up nice and steamy hot so you have more of a balance. And it's still never going to be perfect because the wide range is actually a very thick sounding pickup. And when you put it in the neck position of a guitar, you have to remember the the strings are 
you know, at a max oscillation point, that means the strings are vibrating um, very widely, which creates a high bass response. A lot of, a lot of mud. That's where you a get a muddy mud. sound. Right? Yeah, that's you know where where your bass sound is. So you're putting a bass prone pickup and a bass sound, and, and then you've got the the little single coil, the little wimpy single coil down at the bridge. <laughs> it's going, <laughs> and then your your next going boom. Yeah. So. But it's, I, it's not the best combination I've ever and, invented. And but. I think that, you know, Fender realized that because the, the next variation, uh, like the Tele Deluxe yeah. or even the uh, the Tele uh, 72 Tele Thin Line, they ended up, they put a wide range in both the neck and the bridge, yeah. which actually helped balance things out a little bit. A little better. Yeah, they could they could have had less output on the, the neck, one but they did First one looks so cool, though. It does. It looks cool. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it just... It does look really cool. You, you brought up a really important uh, point, and this also came up, and I don't want to derail too much, but it pertains to what we're talking about, mixing and matching, which was balance. Mm. And that's something that just it just for clarification, that is important because I'm going to go to Tony for this one. Well, I mean, obviously, in, in most cases, you want a lower output lower volume pickup in the neck position yeah. to compensate as jared said with the strings the strings are bouncing more in the neck position making it usually louder um and then in uh in your in your bridge position you usually want something a little bit hotter uh and maybe something that even cuts some of the highs a little bit because the closer you get to the bridge the higher the the tinnier the sound of, right. of, of the pickup's going to be so the balance is usually pretty good you can adjust it to some extent by raising and lowering the pickups yeah but at least in my experience i found that you know generally speaking if you have a stock or a, a or a stock winding or even a plus 5 or plus 10 in the bridge and then a you know, minus five or 10% in the neck position, it balances better without having these drastic right. height so, differences. And, and yeah. that would come into play if you are switching pickups between, uh, you know, in the middle of a song for like a lead or 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 just um, if you're switching, yeah. you're going to hear a massive volume increase. Totally. You're be like, whoa, everybody's gonna be like, what what just happened here? It yeah. sounds like a mistake. Or if uh, even in the middle position, if it's on, on a two pickup right. guitar, you want... Nobody uses the middle position. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Uh, anyways, so back to the mixing and matching, which I think is super interesting, especially when we're putting in reference to a guitar show, because you have, uh, you know, or a guitar, you know, any kind of a swap meet style place where there's, you know, there's tables full of pickups and we'll get to this in a second. But um, the, it, we are in the age of customization and whatever comes from the manufacturer I can surely make better if I, well, this is basically mainly my approach, but <laughs> I can surely make better or different. So putting a, a Firebird mini humbucker in mm. with a higher output uh, Telecaster pickup is something that I did in mine. Now, mm. some people may think that's stupid. Some people may think that's awesome, but it's a mix and match thing. So that was a really great example of like a, a very specific, well-known Maybe Mis not mismatch. so good <laughs> yeah, a mismatch. The the wide range and the t and the tele uh, single coil bridge. Uh, any other ones come to mind? Well, yeah, lipsticks. I mean, the, those aftermarket lipsticks are getting really popular, and you want to be careful when you buy those because they're they're the tr 
traditional ones are very low output, like three to four, like on a Dan Electro. Yes, they are very low output. And if, you know, you stick them on your strat, say you have a, a stock, um, I don't know, a a humbucker two single strat, you know, humbucker in the neck, or I'm sorry, in the bridge. And then you say, well, I'm going to switch out my two singles with a couple of Dan Electros or, you know, style lipsticks. You've got this honking humbucker in the bridge. And then you've got, you know, which is probably 9, 10K on a Strat. And then if you put a couple of 3K, you know, lipsticks, you're, it's going to be night and day. Yeah, they just can't keep up with it. Huge volume problem. And it's going to sound weird, too. Yeah, I think another popular, like gold foils, yep. those seem to be popping up all over the place. Yeah, if you, if you want these pickups for the looks, you know, by all means, get them. But make sure you know what you're buying as far as you know, output and uh, magnetism and, th- and that kind of thing there. So in that case, maybe you want to get a really, really low output humbucker. If that was the case, if you wanted that kind of it's in order to match them up. Yeah. yeah. I think you'd want to do something like that or you know, I, w- I would get the hotter lipstick pickups. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's one thing with, with, with custom winders, you can, you can specify these right. these types of things, and if you know if somebody like Jared knows what you're trying to mix and match, he can make a full set. I think that would that balance better. Exactly. Right? What about some great combinations that are coming up these days in the in the world of like jalopy modding your guitar? I still I'm a big fan of a of a Telecaster with a humbucker or a Filtatron in the neck. Oh yeah. Those, I mean, to me, the Filtatron, especially because it's a little lower output than typical uh, humbuckers. Uh, it just sounds great to me. Oh, can, can you just briefly touch on uh Filtatron? So uh, yeah, Filtatrons are, are humbuckers as well. Yeah. They tend to be a little lower output. Uh, they tend to be a little brighter one because they're, they're a little lower output. Uh, but Gretsch made the Filtatrons, you know, starting in the nine, late fifties, early sixties, and those ones typically have the the, the like the long sideways H like cut yeah, out. Yeah, it the, says the, patent, the top. patent yeah. number or whatever on the top, and uh, and 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 very vintage retro looking. So they they were meant to be uh, single coil sounding, but still uh, uh, noise canceling. noise canceling. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Whereas a uh, you know the 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 true humbucker. Uh, as we call it, like something that Gibson would have put right. out, it tends to be a little bit hotter. Um, Is it fair to say that those were put out? I'm going to take a stab at, at this because uh, they were making all uh, hollow body at that time. Well, right? yeah, Gretsch put them out. The original, most of the early 50s and through the late 50s had uh, DeArmond single coil pickups. They called them Dynasonics at the time. And um, they, they were noisy. I mean, they still are noisy. Uh, it's a single coil pickup. But, you know, if you like strats or if you like tellies that have single coils, you deal with the same kind of noise output. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they wanted to shift over to something quieter. So Gretsch developed uh, this this pickup that, you know, was hum canceling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Gibson probably beat him to the punch on on patenting the, the humbucker. Humbucker, yeah. yeah. Sounds cooler. Seth Lover, man. You got to love them. Any other popular combinations that you're seeing as far as requests coming through? I know a lot of people have asked about, um, you know, changing to a P90. uh, From a humbucker. From a humbucker. There are some really good options where you could do a, uh, basically it's a P90 and a humbucker casing. Right. uh, That a lot of people seem to like. you do, Jared? 
Oh, yeah, but I get asked about it. In fact, somebody at the show actually asked me about that. So Just, you don't have to worry about, oh, it's not going to fit. Right, or, exactly. Yeah. Because if you tried to put a P90 generally in, an, in a humbucker-equipped guitar, you're going to have to do some routing. Right. right. Um, Wolf Tone out, out in Washington actually is or was or whatever developed a ring that actually fits on a, on a humbucker guitar that holds in a P90 pickup. So I thought hmm. that was interesting. But, of course, to all of us, it would be – you know, in my opinion, a lot easier just to buy the humbucker that utilizes the P90 single coil. Right. In a humbucker casing, yeah. It's not a true P90 when it's in a humbucker casing. But it's, it's pretty close. But it's, it's close. It's close okay. enough. I mean, some people like that 60-cycle hum, I guess. I don't know. How about, you know, one of the things, um, you know, we're talking about mixing and matching. Things that I've run into um, is uh, pickups being out of phase with each other. Like oh, if you're yeah. using a stock pickup and then a custom pickup on the other. So, ba- it, so basically what happens a lot of times you put a new pickup in and put the switch, let's say it's a two pickup guitar for the sake of argument. And yeah, in the middle, the middle position, position, it just sounds like it's just it's tinny and whiny, like yeah. a position uh, two or four yeah. on a Strat sometimes. Peter Green. Well, that's, that's yeah. true. But it's it doesn't sound that great when you have single coil pickups. So when you... You do that. You request for something like that. I, I say, I, I will send it to you with a three-wire lead. And, ba- and basically what that is, you have a ground, a hot, and an isolated ground. The isolated ground is is the ground that is in te- you know, that comes out of your pickup. Mm. And then the the general ground is basically just... The base and the cover. If a wire, a cover. And any metal... So it gives you the ability yeah. to switch the black and the white leads you in case it's out of, of the out of phase with that, the with the pickup that's, that's in extremely there. important and will be the cure all for any headache you have. Is that I mean, also that what you do for important. Uh, tapping coils? Uh, no, um, tapping coils is a little different because of what you're doing is shutting off a coil of the pickup, and you can use a three wire lead to do that. But I would. You know, recommend a four wire lead if it's a humbucker style guitar. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Yep. And the advantage of having of uh, you know because that's that's actually something that a lot of factory models are offering now simply because it's a common mod. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about that just real briefly. Sure. If you have well, a- actually. Uh, from a from a musical standpoint, Tony, you answer it. From a technical standpoint, Jared, you answer it. Sure. So, I mean, in some cases, uh, maybe you're if you have a humbucker equipped guitar, let's just say that um, you want maybe more of a single coil sound, maybe brighter or, or cutting the the thickness, maybe. Yeah, cutting. Yeah, getting rid of the mid range. So basically, with a with a coil tap, um, you're essentially shutting down one of the coils of the pickup. Um, I mean, it makes it essentially into a single, you know, a single coil pickup sound. Um, but you also start to, you, you're gaining noise on it too, because you're, you're essentially shutting down right. one of the canceling coils. So what we're talking about, the tapping, uh, you're able to pull the knob up. Yeah. And that is what activates the isolation of the coil. Right. You're basically sending port part of that coil or part of the pickup to ground. Right. Um, but there's another really cool modification uh, that was used originally on lap steels, uh, but PV started using it where they'll take, normally if you have a four conductor wiring, there's uh, two wires that are wired together in the middle. If you take those and 
uh, solder them to the empty lug on your tone control. And what happens is as you open up the tone control, it actually sends those coils to ground. So it, it, in effect, makes it a variable uh, coil tap. Interesting. So it's kind of a, a neat little modification you can try. On that note, uh, another term we hear a lot is, um, I think, in association with pickups, and we're still on pickups, everybody, so, <laughs> but, but treble bleed. Ah. Which is another one of those, you know, sort of black magic voodoo things that people are doing with the, the in right. between the pickups and the pots. Yeah. Basically that's just, as you turn your volume control down, it allows a certain amount of the high end to cross over to the output. Right. So uh, you're not, you're not, you're not losing high end. Exactly. All right. So, uh, Tony, that was an excellent explanation of audibly what, what will be expected if you have any tapping going on, uh, coil tapping going on. But from a, from a consumer standpoint, if I'm looking to my pickup builder to say, Hey, I'd, I'd like to modify my guitar, my guitar. Um, I want some new humbuckers and I want them to be tapped or I want to be able to uh, have the treble bleed or anything like that. What, what needs to be considered in that well, yeah, it's it's not just ordering pickups that that utilize that can utilize that you know with the four wire leads, but it's also changing out your wiring harness or maybe a a a pot that is a push pull that has the terminals to be able to switch and and uh, ground that coil. The cool thing about that as well is uh, you know cutting a coil to get that single so- sound. The single coil sound is is uh, with a four wire lead. You could actually also, um, you know, put your pickup out of phase for the middle position. But you know, yeah. As far as if somebody's asking me about, you know, what are the benefits of that four wire lead? What do I need to do? You know, I would suggest that you 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 look into the many uh, wiring harness uh, harness builders or do research on how to wire a four wire lead to a on you know a, a switchable pot right so that's you know, something that you need to make sure pull. that you're asking someone who that you're getting your pickups from yeah do they is that is that a service that they offer or if not um you know if if uh if they can recommend somebody or go to your recommended guitar repair because that's also something maybe right. that you don't if you're not if you're not you yeah, if, if you're not used to messing with stuff like that because the, the wires are kind of fine and yeah. you know you don't want to put a big old glob of solder on it yeah things. yeah but a, an excellent resource um on the internet i mean there's tons of forums and things but i've always found like the, the seymour duncan has an, an incredible library of uh wiring modifications or, or even standard wiring in case you need a quick reference i got uh, big Puffy pictures too. Yeah, big PDF <laughs> files. Pictures, yeah, um, and then we also have had a recent guest, um, Gun Street Wiring. That's right, and uh, they they provide a, a ton of different options uh, along those lines. Right, and, and right. we'll make anything that you want if you have a special request, like a treble bleed or something. Yeah, uh, and they're mighty fine people too. So. Um, all right, Jared, I, on the last question that we have for you, I, I know that we were approached by many people who actually either brought in their guitar, which I think is a great idea, uh, so that you don't have to disassemble it because, you know, you can check output if you bring in your guitar or your pickup. So, Jared, you know, if you go to a pickup builder at a show, they can typically, hopefully do it right there. Yeah. Uh, or, or check ahead and see if they'll do that. Uh, but 
a lot of people had rewinds. I think there was one guy that brought a whole bag of them. Yeah, like four <laughs> different. He, yeah. he had a whole. So this customer, well, this fella came in with this bag of pickups, as you said, and he was asking me which ones worked and which ones didn't. And then on top of that, which ones were worth the money uh, rewinding right. and which and which ones weren't. He didn't really know. So I love doing that, by the way. It's just, it's really fun. So he brought this big bag of pickups and I had the tool that I mentioned earlier, which was the multimeter. Yeah. And basically all I did was test each pickup to see if it worked or not. Why would I want to rewind a pickup? Well, the main reason is if you have an older guitar that means something to you and you really like the sound of that pickup or you like the pickup, or if it's a vintage guitar and it's worth a lot of money and the guitar is worth more with the original pickup in it. Yes, a rewind's going to devalue the, the guitar a little bit, but it's better than just sticking in a newer modern uh, replacement that, you know, if, if you paid the money to actually have the original pickup restored, uh, I think there's a lot more respect and more uh, uniformity uh, in that aspect. Are there any cases that, that a rewind aside from just rewinding it because maybe the sound has changed over time or there's corrosion or anything like that. If you're doing a rewind, you're like there uh, was specific, uh, magnets or specific mm-hmm. type of wire or specific type of potting, or actually there's a really great one that came that you uncovered that you took the pickup out. I think it was an old fender. And mm-hmm. instead of the typical black tape around the wiring, it was newspaper. Yeah. That's a, a pedal steel. And that was designed by Leo fender. And yeah. I think he actually wound those too himself. When you get into the more rare pickups, that's that's when a rewind's going to be a lot better and more necessary. Like, for instance, uh, you know that lap series talking about—they don't make those anymore. Like right. That. And the uh, the wide range—if you have an old original wide range from the seventies, those have very rare magnets that are not made anymore at all. You know, you don't want to just buy a reissue and see it's a whole different pickup now because right. it's really. Uh, it's impossible now to to make the old original uh, wide range pickups the way they did in the past because of the magnets, and and it's very expensive to make them like that now as far as production. So yeah, so a rewind is is going to benefit you um, much more than a newer replacement pickup in that aspect. Well, what what causes a, a pickup to fail? Um, usually atmosphere conditions um moisture if you live live on the coast that's right moisture gets into those windings one way or another Mm -hmm. and it it corrodes in between the windings and the metal and the magnets and the magnets in single coils are notorious to rust around the outer edges Mm. and rust pushes out outward and then expands and it corrodes and chews through anything um to give you an example how strong rust is uh garage doors um on a house you have brick masonry on top of over a garage door right and the the iron lintel underneath holds all that masonry up over the garage door we always you know typically you sometimes you see the crack in the masonry and the joints 
That's because your lintel is rusting. And that rust pushed up all that brickwork. Yeah. That's how strong rust is. It's crazy. I've so, heard it never sleeps, too. It doesn't. <laughs> it's cancer. It's what it is. <laughs> so it ruins any pickup. And in humbuckers, uh, they don't so usually... So if you see a lot of rust are on your pickup poles... Yeah, you got. You, you're gonna you're have gonna potential have to, problems. Yeah, when somebody sends me some mid '60s, '50s, or whatever old pickups like that, a whole set. Generally, I'll say, listen, if this one's rusting, the other two or the other one's probably gonna die in the future. I'll either rewind it or leave it alone, and I'll leave it to the discretion of the customer. I've seen a lot of newer ones that people just leave out. That I've I've run across that in in, in Craigslist purchases where yeah. I'm like, well, this is. There's a lot of rust around there. And now some people might think like, well, it's relicking. No, uh, maybe yeah, not. Yeah, you know. It's, it's, yeah, anything that has iron in it cause can potentially rust. Yeah, another another problem with pickups, why they go dead and not as much as the rust is, is cold solder. Mm. Cold solder is when a solder joint uh, just, it doesn't uh, connect with the wire anymore for some funny reason. And you have to reheat that connection to get everything, you know, get the metals to marry back together and create a connection. Mm. Uh, That happens once in a while. Um, The old pickups that were made in Japan, like the Kmon Taisko and, you know, all those brands that in, in generally with these that have this brown tape underneath, you have to take it apart to see, but this particular tape that they used for some reason, it unmarries the connection between the coil wire and the lead, the connection leads. That's uh, acid. So it's the same thing in art. Oh, if yeah. You're absolutely you right. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And Lindy Fralin talks about that, too. He's a well-known pickup maker. And and I'll I'll come across those a lot. And it, th- those are pretty easy fix. So you just undo the thing and the tape, and you just have to make sure you don't pull the start out of the coil or else you're screwed. You have to <laughs> rewind it. But yeah, just uh, to reconnect those and then use the better tape. But yeah, great, great point, uh, Todd. That's exactly what does that. To Look them. at me, my art, my art hit, my art. Uh, and school. everyone yeah, said it would never off. do you any good. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, rewinding uh, can really benefit. And uh, sometimes it's it can be pointless if you have a cheaper guitar. Yeah. Very actual, very last question. The for real last question. That's what you said last time. I know. Uh, the Whenever you go to a guitar show, and if you haven't experienced a guitar show, please get out and check them out. Get involved in the community, totally. guitar community. It totally. is a ton of fun. But... If you go to a guitar show or maybe even you see something on Craigslist or, or, or eBay and it's basically like there's a guy and he's got a bunch of what are called smalls. All right. Oh, at yeah. a show. And he's got a couple of pickups, got probably a couple of pick guards, got tuners. a couple of tuners and doodads and whatnots. And then there's usually a, a, a small pile of pickups Yeah, that, you know, <laughs> the one, the, the interesting thing about pickups is that it is very difficult to, to tell where who made them or where they're from just because of the nature of what they are there are a few different ways but largely if you see a pile of pickups the first thing you say is do you know who made this second thing is do you know how how what the output is and so in consideration of those is that a good deal is that a bad can those be good deals can they be bad deals what should i look out for 
That depends. If you're looking for a very specific thing and you're trying to make something original, um, and it could be a cheap pickup, you know, maybe a $20 pickup or a $10 pickup that might complete your project. That would be a good deal to me. Or if, if you're looking to upgrade something, in that case, you really want to know what you're looking for and you really want to know what they have. So sometimes you can't even take the word of the seller. And uh, and I'm not trying to say that a seller would try to be uh, deceitful, but uh, knowledge, I'm going to say this again, in this case, knowledge is absolute power. You, you don't want to pay overpay for something that you really don't know what it is. Seriously. And uh, also, you want to make sure they have plenty of leads, and you want to well to be to be clear, not plenty of leads, but it, plenty of length of lead. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say. Yeah, I just didn't. I say got that this right. pickup that has ten leads. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be great. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I could do a lot with that. Mm. Yeah, you want to make sure there's lots, of, you know, plenty of lead on there, and if it's. If it's an older vintage pickup and, and it doesn't clear, have much lead, lead is the wire is the amount is of wire wiring. that goes from you know that comes out of the pickup that hooks up to your pocket. Right. So if you find a pickup and you're like, this looks like a good deal, and it's like twenty it's, bucks, and it's, and got, it's got, a got like two a inch, two lead. inch lead, yeah. <laughs> don't now, buy it. Well, if it's a vintage pickup from the seventies well, yeah. or fifties, and 60s, you can verify that, yeah, then it would be worth it. And then pay me 30 bucks to change the lead and you've got a very good pickup. There you go. And if you're looking for random pickups for an ES335 or a hollow body, leads is going to be a very important thing to consider. Yeah. Because yep. you need long leads for those. Terms. Yeah, totally. So. All right. This has been a ton of fun and hugely informational. I feel very informed as a consumer, as a general consumer, someone who likes to tinker and mod and uh, try new things. So, and this if, is taking the, the danger out of that. And if I have one really good piece of advice for, for you pickup guys out there that look at pickups all the time and look for pickups, get to know that multimeter really well and take it to guitar shows with you. Yeah. Yeah. There are several videos on the internet that explain how to do that. And yep. once you are comfortable, it can be really fun and helpful because then you can actually go through your whole guitar uh, collection and determine it, it'll help you identify like, why do I like that sound of this particular guitar? It may be one of the factors, you mm -hmm. know, it'll so definitely it, help big time, especially if you're selling it too, then you can also say, Hey, I've got these uh, particular pickups in it. Uh, and it's got this kind of output and yada, 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 bada bing. Bada boom. All right. <laughs> All righty. Let's do our next big segment, which is. Would you rather? All right. This week's Would You Rather is brought to us by Tim Nowak. So here's the situation you're walking down the street with your favorite guitar. And somebody runs up, takes it, and smashes it all over the sidewalk. It's gone. It's a goner. There's ah! no fixing it. What? Who? So. Very, there's evil people. Where out are you right. when this happens? This, this sounds this, like a terrible place to it, live. It's basically not, pretty much not going to happen. But so your favorite guitar is gone. And you, gotta, you go into this guitar shop nearby. There happens and, to be one very close by. That's right. Lucky and, you. So money is not an object here. You've, you've got all the money in the world. So would you rather have a, 
a, a really nice made in USA American professional Stratocaster. Mm. But you can never mod it. You can't do anything to it. No, you spend all your money on it. That's right. And there's even though money is no, no object. object. <laughs> so you can you can never mod this guitar, right? It is the way it is. Money or, is no object because it's gone. That's right. <laughs> or would you rather have a lower end Stratocaster Squire? But you can mod the crap out of it. Do anything you new want. New pickups, new pickguard, the price. Pick guard, new tuning machines, new That's right. everything. A nut and basically rebuild the guitar. So what are you going to do? Ooh, uh, Todd, you this start. Is, this is a strat, right? <laughs> it's a strat. <laughs> no, I'm going last. Tony Baloney hit us. <laughs> or, or as I called on your phone, uh, uh, Monsieur Baloney. Monsieur Baloney. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. That, you know, now I am a fan of, uh, of, of, of inexpensive guitars that have been upgraded. Mm-hmm. I, I own many. And, um, if it would depend if this if this squire was maybe one of the Japanese squires, I don't think it is. Oh, it's not. This is the brand new. You just this is a buck twenty nine special. You don't know what it is. Indonesian. Okay, something. Um, I think in this case, if it's if it's, I mean, you can sometimes, as they say, when you polish a turd, you end up with a shiny turd. Yeah. Um. I think I'm going to go with the American Pro and just live with it as it is. Yeah. Okay. Jared, you're really struggling with this over here. I absolutely am. I'm going to go the short answer and say American Pro. I am because oh, I just am. This, okay. I'm going to know what the Squire is. It's going to bother me. Even though you change everything out, yada, yada, yada knowing what it is and maybe I'll never get past that the shape of the neck right mm. I'm not going to pay you know a million dollars to have the neck shaved and all that kind of thing right mm. I, I'm just going to go money's no object it is but I want to play right away okay. right I don't want to take the time and the energy to make all those changes right I'm going to stick with the American pro- professional okay it's the American professional, everybody, if you don't know, it, it actually it's it's it comes a little better than the norm. So yeah, you're they have the the nice mods already done to it. Yeah, they they basically Fender has taken a lot of the things that people do to stock instruments and put it in their professional series. I think that's that's an easy answer. I'm definitely going with that. How about you, Todd? I'm fighting it because every ounce of me is saying mod the crap out of it because I like doing that. Uh, Would you put a sparkle pickguard on it? The, the overwhelming thing is the problem. The biggest problem is that it's a Stratocaster. Mm. <laughs> so, no likey. So, uh, whop, whop. yeah, I, there are. I've run across. I've I've owned uh, some squires that have played great. You know, I'd be like, bam, I got I got a good one here. Um, in in this case, because it is the Stratocaster, uh, I'm. I'm going to go with the American and I'm not going to mod it. And I'm going to, the first thing I'm going to do is sell it, sell it. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And then I'm going to, I'm going to go get a, a a, a custom, a custom guitar from somebody else. Yeah. 
Very nice. Anyways, um, all right. This has been super duper fun. Tony, we got a couple people we want to thank real we quick. We have a lot of people to thank. Uh, at this point of the show, we like to thank a special group of people who sponsor our program and help make all of this fun, fun, fun possible. Um, if you'd like to find out how you can become... Uh, a sponsor go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs and see the various levels that we offer uh you get some great prize packages and things and uh at the very top of the heap we have our executive producers and uh in addition to all that fun stuff that you get jared what happens you get your name right on the thing and that's what i'm gonna do right now so without further ado Thank you very much to Mr. John Esterly, to Christopher Heidel, Tyg Harmon, Tyler Bray, John Anglin, Anthony Lanthrop, Johnny Knowles, Stefan Lamb, Rick Lenglou, uh, Michael McVeigh, Michael Senchuk, Brian Robison, Jonathan Jerusik, Ken Sayers, Corey Nigro, Brad Partridge, Michael Van Zant, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, Chris Kearney, Sean S. S. John Daly, Martin Cliff, and Tom Brazen. Hey, Thank you, one right, and all. All right, all right. Thank you guys so very much. It uh, it boosts our spirits. It helps our show out tremendously, and we cannot thank you enough. It keeps the lights on, as it they say. Literally keeps the lights on. So thank you so very much. If you're considering uh, doing doing uh, any kind of uh, Patreon, it isn't just the executive producer. We also um, have uh, a five dollar entry as well um it, it don't get quite as much of the stuff but it sure does help us out and if that makes you sleep better at night then i suggest you do it <laughs> all right tony where can people find you oh uh, you can just head on over to pickguardian.com. Uh, that's my website and you can see some projects on there uh if you want to see some of the projects that we've been talking about uh, i do some a lot of postings on instagram and that's pick guardian and the number one Call us today. Right on, Jared. Well, you can get a hold of me at uh, Jared at BrandonWallPickups.com. And uh, I do all sorts of really cool stuff with pickups. So we if just you need something all new, about it. Yep, yeah. Need something new or new and old looking, just give me a holler. Yeah. All right. You can drop me a line at Todd at TheGuitarKnobs.com, an email. You can also DM me on Instagram with any uh, questions, comments, uh, shout outs, whatever's, um, please make sure we'd love to hear what your would you rathers are. We love getting those in. We've got quite a few and it's super fun. And uh, gentlemen, let's have a great guitar week ahead of us and subscribe. The bullion base. My one guitar that I have. Oh, you mean the black one with the gold guard? That one. (laughs) How many does he have? Four of them like that? That's it all. Yeah. I'm not even going to mention that. Why am I mentioning that? Why are you mentioning that? I'm not going to mention it. Don't even mention it. Okay, let me try that again. What are you talking about? Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs visit our website at the guitar for all of our past episodes four on the floor blog and other good stuff you can connect with us on social too at our facebook page and share your gear and stories on our facebook group also be sure to check out our instagram at guitar knobs
Catch you next time.